Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to say that I am devastated by the massacre that occurred this week in Georgia, and I would like to encourage everybody who listens to this to donate to the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund. You can find them at aaldef.org. I've donated to them. I suggest that you all donate to them and You know, I hope that we can all make an effort to stop the violence against Asian Americans that is going on in this country. And I just wanted to make sure that I acknowledge this at the beginning of my episode because I think it's pretty shitty to just put out this episode talking about this dumbass show and not acknowledge a massacre that like occurred in our country this week. So yeah, I hope that you will all go and support the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund. And if you want to leave a comment on the Instagram post that I'll make about this episode with uh, places that we should donate to, to help fight racism against Asian Americans in this country. Okay, thank you so much. Hey, hi everyone. How are we? Before we get started, I just want to remind you all that I have a Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. You can also find the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram is feathers underscore pod. I am covering a bunch of shit. This week I put out an episode about Paris Hilton with Troy McEady, host of Denzel Podcast. We talked about the This Is Paris documentary, but also we're like contrasting that with her storage unit stuff. Basically, Troy and I hate Paris Hilton. <laughs> so we just spent like an hour and a half talking about how why we don't like her. Um, also, I'm covering Sister Wives this season. So this week's episode, I'm going to be covering the last, well, not the last three. So the last two episodes plus the one that's airing this week, because I discovered if you have Discovery Plus, the Sister Wives episode comes out on Sunday morning and you don't have to wait till 10, 10 p.m. for it to air. So that's really great. So this week I'm covering... I think it's four, five, and six will be the episode. Sister Wives is a little too boring to cover every week, but not too boring to cover either bi-weekly or tri-weekly, you know, depending on the situation. I am just loving watching The Family Implode. I have so many fucking thoughts on Christine, The Basement Wife. I mean, titling an episode The Basement Wife is chef kiss perfect. I love it. And I can't wait to discuss it. So like I said, come to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I think you'll like it there. I have about, I don't know, 60 back episodes that you can go listen to. I've been doing it almost a full year, which is crazy because I think I got laid off. I think I might have gotten laid off a year ago today. Honestly, it might have been on the 20th. (laughs) I think it was on the 20th because I remember it was on a Friday. I think it was that Friday that I got laid off and I was actually supposed to be off work that day because I was supposed to be going to Virginia that Thursday and Friday and that obviously had gotten canceled and I was at home and I got laid off. And then I started the Patreon, I think, within the next couple days. So happy one year anniversary to Liz Explains It All. I I love that podcast and I'm so grateful for everybody that's a patron. If you've been curious about it, come check us out. Oh, I'm also planning, so like I said, I did Paris Hilton 
Sister Wives this week, and I believe next week I'm going to be doing a Jersey Shore episode. So if you're into that, come on over. Okay. Patreon plug over. Um, I think this happened. I didn't talk about this last week on the podcast because obviously it happened like five minutes after I finished recording. Someone had sent this to me. I didn't really see it like getting covered elsewhere. I think it's because she posted it on her Facebook page. And one of my listeners um, sent me the screenshot of her Facebook page. Like it's a public Facebook page, but I think it just like doesn't get the traction that the other accounts do because nobody cares about Facebook, right? So Mackenzie McKee had posted, well, I attempted to walk away from work today to clear my mind and think of my mom at the beach with the kids. Four hours later, no luck with parking spots, tried three different beaches, blood sugar dropped so bad I backed out, I blacked out while driving and I ran into a pole and got rear-ended. Spring break in Florida is insane and I'm staying home and crying the rest of my day away. So, this is at least the second time that Mackenzie has done this. Um, There was that time that she bought that brand new SUV in cash. And because she bought it in cash, she didn't need insurance to drive it off the lot. I guess in some states, I believe in Pennsylvania, even if you buy your car in cash, like you can't take it from the, like the car dealership without having insurance on it. Usually, because most people don't buy a car in cash, you have a car loan, and to have the car loan, you have to have insurance. I only know this because for a period of time, I worked at, it was via a temp agency, but I worked at this place, <laughs> like, right before I went to rehab, if that tells you where I was in my life, and it was, they did, like, subprime car loans. It was really awful to see people would be getting approved for car loans for $500 a month when they made, like, $1,100 a month, if that. Uh, Their credit scores were, like, five. It was so predatory is what I'm saying. It's so, it was so, so, so predatory. But you couldn't get this loan. Like, you weren't allowed to have the loan unless you proved that you had car insurance. So I guess in McKenzie State in Oklahoma, like, you don't need car insurance to drive off the lot. So she had not gotten any. And she was driving around looking for Josh, who had been ignoring her. Of course. And she blacked out as she was driving because of her low blood sugar. And she totaled her brand new car that did not have insurance. Now, one would think that would be the lesson, right? Like that you never do that again. You keep juice in your car. You keep whatever in your car, snacks, so that in case you start to feel that, you eat or you pull over your car. That's the thing that really gets me is that like, Okay, a lot of my family members have diabetes, but not type 1, type 2. Um, All the very thin people on my dad's side of the family have type 2 diabetes. It's very weird, but it's just the case. Um, And by all the people, I mean like three or four people. But it's a significant amount. They're all in impeccable shape and yet have type 2 diabetes. It's just something that happens to a very small amount of people. So I have a little bit of familiarity with diabetes, but not so much type 1 diabetes. So I don't want to be speaking out of turn here because I know, I believe Mackenzie's diabetes is classified as brittle diabetes, which means it's like extra severe. And I know that handling diabetes can be really hard even for people who've had it their whole life. So I don't want this to be like I'm criticizing I'm acting like I know the way that Mackenzie should be handling her type 1 diabetes because 
I I don't believe that to be true. I don't know what's best for Mackenzie. What I do know is just like what I have observed in the last six, seven years of following her pretty closely online is that Mackenzie seems to have a lot of issues revolving around her blood sugar. Um, she, I, how do I want to say this? Um, Mackenzie has a lot of disordered eating habits and a lot of that seems to fuck with her blood sugars. She's constantly like getting on these fad diets that she will believe will like cure her diabetes. It's even though it's an, you know, an autoimmune disorder, right? Isn't diabetes an autoimmune disorder? Remember what, do you remember one point that documentary came out on Netflix that was like, everybody should be a vegan? I remember Portia from Real Housewives of Atlanta also became a vegan after seeing this. So Mackenzie decided she would be a vegan. She was like reading forums where people said that being a vegan would cure her type 1 diabetes. So like she was doing that and she was eating, um, because she was eating a ton of fruit. Which, if you don't know, like, the thing that's hard with diabetes, it's, like, not necessarily about calories. It's about carbohydrates and sugars. And so she decided that she was going to be a vegan and not track her carbs and sugars. And so she thought because she was, like, eating, like, fruits that she was being healthy. And, I mean, this is someone... She was in her mid-20s at this point. (laughs) Like, had diabetes a long time. Is also, like, a fitness babe. So you would imagine that she has like an understanding of carbohydrates, but she like totally spiked her blood sugars out of control because she wasn't tracking her fucking carbohydrates, which you have to do. I mean, my dad is like so particular with tracking, like all of his food has to be really measured out. He takes his blood sugar, I think five times, six times a day. I don't know, before every meal. And I think when he wakes up and well, I guess that's before breakfast, but also before he goes to bed. He takes his blood, you know, he keeps, he tracks his blood sugar constantly because he doesn't want to have to take insulin uh, because he's lucky enough that it can be controlled with diet, exercise, and metformin. So, you know, Mackenzie, like, I personally think um, her disordered eating habits a lot of the time outweigh what she needs to do to really stay on top of her diabetes, including a time where the last time she like tried a fitness competition, she didn't place very well. Um, And she wrote this long post about how much fat that her body had retained because of her blood sugars. That just made me really depressed. And the reality was, is like for a fitness competition, like she did have a lot of fat on her body. She probably had like 10% body fat. Like she's so thin. She was in very good shape, but I think that she has a hard time because of, like, her blood sugar, um, like, fully losing the amount of fat that's needed to do, like, that fitness modeling shit, um, which is obviously so different from just, like, normally being in shape. And so I personally think that she neglects a lot of her diabetes stuff in order to try and maximize her like, not maximize her body fat, but, like, maximize her ability to not retain body fat. It's just something that I've noticed her doing for a very long time. Now, the idea that she had the kids in the car um, and no food, like, that's another thing. Like, if you have type 1 diabetes that's been hard for you to manage, one would think that you would keep a, like, a bar or a type of juice, like, everywhere. Like, one in your purse, one in the glove compartment. Like, just in case there are emergencies like this. And also, like, 
I understand that it can come on very quick. I don't like I I'm not saying that she should just like magically be able to predict when she's going to have an issue. But what I am saying is you would think that like if you start to feel like your blood sugar is dropping a little bit and you're doing something like driving from beach to beach, one would think that you would just stop driving your car before you black out. Like I I'm under the impression that there is like a little bit of warning time there. If not, I mean, maybe not a ton, but she's making it seem like she's just like driving around parking lots. Like it's not like she's like on the highway and it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It just it's really scary. It's really scary that the kids were in the car. Um, I don't really understand why there is not a driver's license requirement when it comes to people that um, have unmanaged diabetes because there is, I don't know if you know this, but like if you have a seizure disorder, whether that's epilepsy or what, I actually, I really know this because unfortunately um, a lot of drug addicts will develop seizure, seizure disorders. Like they don't have epilepsy, but from drugs and alcohol, like they've fucked their brains and bodies up so much that they start to have seizures. And if you have seizures, like you can't drive a car. I've known many, many people who had, um, like a series of seizures drug related and then weren't lost their license for a year and like could not drive for a year until they like went a year without having another seizure like it's pretty regulated is my understanding because it's really dangerous for a person to have a seizure while driving just like it's really fucking dangerous for somebody to black out from low blood sugar while driving i think in some states some people in my instagram comments said like Maybe in the UK, they do have these requirements. I think somebody said, like, I think some places may, but it's really scary to think that, like, Mackenzie's blood sugar is so out of control, which, like I said, I don't, I've noticed a lot of unhealthy habits she seems to have around food and her diabetes, but I do not know what it's like to manage her diabetes. I do not know at all. So I think, like, when it comes to, that I don't want to be like, if she just took care of herself, it'd be totally fine. Because the reality is that some people have really, really hard to manage diabetes that take care that like follow diet perfectly, like do everything that you're supposed to be doing. And still, it's very hard for them to manage. So I don't want to act like if she just like tried harder, everything would be fine because I don't know that at all. But you would think that, like, if this is something that's very hard for her to manage, like, it's not safe for her to be driving. It's not safe for her to have the kids driving. And it's just, like, I, you were planning on going to the beach. Like, you weren't going to bring food. Like, you need to be eating very regularly. Like, it just, it's really scary. I mean, although I will say my listener, Jamie, (laughs) I don't know if I disagree with this. She's like, I don't know if I believe that this happened because Mackenzie constantly has these stories of like these insane things that happened to her that are so dramatic and I just don't know if I believe that they happen all the time and I think that's a pretty good theory like I would not be surprised if this actually didn't happen I think Mackenzie is very much a lie for attention type of person um she definitely did it with that fucking ferret story like her children did not rip a ferret in half in the middle of a store but she wrote down that they did you know so i think mackenzie really does lie for attention a lot so i'm not not totally sure that i believe this happened but if it did happen it's really fucking concerning and i really hope that she is reconsidering like her choices around 
her driving and her blood sugars and like really creating like a proactive solution. Um, I hope maybe her insurance company is stepping in or I don't know how it would work, but it really, it's really concerning and I just hope that everybody is okay, but we haven't heard anything else, so I'm sure everything is okay. One other thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into this week's episode is, <laughs> okay, you guys know I've kind of like fallen off with Janelle. I just, I just am like, she's too dark for me. And I know that seems crazy because, I mean, this podcast is called Feathers in My Hair because I was obsessed with Janelle. You guys know that she was like my fucking number one follow for years and years and years. And I knew like everything about Janelle's life. As you all know, I have a PhD in Janelle. And I just like, for whatever reason, I've just really lost interest in caring about her. So I have not been watching that YouTube series she's doing. I've had a lot of people ask me if I would cover it, but I just am not really interested in covering it. I just, for whatever reason, it like no longer sparks joy for me to hate follow Janelle. So I'm just not doing it. But I did happen to get a Janelle TikTok on my For You page. If you don't know what the For You page is, if you don't go on TikTok, it's like the main page that you can scroll and it's just like TikTok's algorithm of what they think that you want to see. I actually, anytime teen mom content comes up on my For You page, I put not interested. Um, It's been coming up a little more because of the Netflix stuff. I think it's been getting a little bit of a revival online. But I don't want to see it on TikTok. So I haven't gotten like any, I don't know if I've ever gotten like one of the Team Mom cast members on my For You page. Maybe Kale once. But I got Janelle and, you know, her her TikToks get posted all the time on Reddit. Everybody's making fun of them, blah, blah, blah. But I just like never really look at them. But I saw this TikTok she had that came on my For You page. It had like 150,000 likes. And I was like, oh, shit. So I went over to Janelle's page and like Janelle's killing it on TikTok. Like, I don't know if people know this, but Janelle is crushing it over there. I was really shocked to find this out. Like she's regularly getting over a million views, regularly getting over 50,000 likes, has quite a few videos in the hundreds of thousands of likes, gets hundreds of comments that are positive it's really crazy. I wonder what she's making off the creator fund. I would imagine she's doing decently. I don't really know. I don't quite understand how much the creator fund pays out. Um, All that stuff is always kept hush hush. But I wouldn't be surprised if she's making like a couple thousand off of those TikTok videos a month. It's probably not anything near like a big YouTube video. But she seems to be doing really well on there. And I was pretty surprised. And it just kind of goes to show that, like, it's really easy for us as, like, hardcore teen mom people to lose perspective. And this is something I'm guilty of with a lot of stuff, right? Where I'm just like, I can't believe people like this. Why do they like it? Don't they know that that, 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 that happened? Because I'm a person that, like, retains knowledge about everything as I've talked about a million times on here, like I'm hyper obsessive about stuff. Like once I care about something, I have to know every single thing about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a trait of ADHD. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm about to mute the words ADD and ADHD on TikTok or not on TikTok. I don't get it that much on TikTok. On Twitter, because people are so fucking annoying about being like, oh my God, this ADHD treat or uh, trait. Like, this is me. I have this. 
and it, it as somebody that's had like crippling side effects of ADD her entire life it's like hard for me when I see it's like stop patholog like pathologizing is that how you say it pathologizing like all behavior that everybody does you only it's only ADD when it's like has a like a neg a major negative effect on your life like the point is like we all do a lot of these things but when you have ADD they're like off the charts and it makes your life like hard to live because of these traits um so everybody's like pathologizing is that what I said it's pathologizing I think but it's basically like taking behavior that most people do and like as like ascribing it to having like a mental illness or a uh, disability is ADHD a disability I don't know we I mean yeah it's a learning disability that's what it was called when I was a kid but as far as that goes yes hyper obsession with stuff is an ADD thing I know they don't really call it ADD anymore but when I got diagnosed and I don't know what year is that 90 what year was I born 88 I was like nine when I so in like 97 when I got diagnosed I was diagnosed with ADD um I guess now it'd be ADHD non-hyperactive component or whatever the fuck they're calling it but I still call it ADD because I don't really identify with having ADHD um I went to special learning disability kid private schools and there was So, like, there's, like, kind of a significant difference in behavior, or at least there was in my experience, um, in the kids that had just ADD diagnoses and the kids that had ADHD diagnoses. Um, Because, yes, I went to a school where almost every kid had an ADD or ADHD diagnosis. If not, there was um, a lot of kids with dyslexia, just, like, in general learning disabilities, which for the most part is, like, ADD-type disabilities. So, where am I going? I call it ADD. I I obsessively look into things. So it's hard for me when I like, when I don't like something, I know every reason I don't like it. And I think that everybody else has like subscribed to my point of view. I'm aware that I do that. People do not like it. If it's why people don't like this podcast. I mean, there's a million reasons why people don't like this podcast. And I don't mean that in like a self-deprecating way, because there's a million reasons I don't like a million different podcasts, right? But like a big one is people don't like that I'm like such a know-it-all and I like am so polarizing on my viewpoints, which is just who I am. And so it's hard for me to like step outside of that view and like consider the fact that like most people on TikTok like don't know about Nugget. They don't really know about David. All they really remember is like watching the first couple seasons of Teen Mom 2 and yeah while Janelle was like kind of a nightmare there it wasn't like it is now I guess and I think for a lot of people they like just don't hate her and enjoy her TikToks. And I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really care. I am not a person that feels like I need to like go after any way that Janelle is making money. Although, like I've said a hundred thousand times, I do not disagree with people who do that. Like, I don't think that they're bad for doing that. And I understand. And like, it is a privilege for Janelle to make money on social media in any way, and it's not something that she deserves to have, and, like, she is an extremely bad person. So if people want to go after her, like, what I don't really care, 
But it is interesting to see that she's doing really fucking well on TikTok. And that's my Janelle on TikTok story. (laughs) So let's take a quick break and then we will get into this week's episode of Teen Mom OG. Hey everyone, I can't wait to tell you about today's sponsor, Feathers in My Hair, Helix Sleep. Everyone knows that Feathers in My Hair is recorded exclusively from bed. So when Helix reached out and asked if they could send me a mattress to try out, I obviously said yes. I was sleeping on a mattress that was, you know, it was fine. It was just really, really soft, which I always think I want a really soft bed, and then my back ends up hurting. So I was pretty excited to get a new mattress. The Helix site has a two-minute sleep quiz to help you pick the mattress that works out best for you, which I really appreciated because I have some specific needs. I'm a side sleeper. I need a firm mattress, but I also love a really comfortable bed. And the sleep quiz took that all into consideration. The quiz takes your specific needs and really personalizes a bed that's best for you. Helix has soft, medium, and firm mattresses, as well as a cooling option for all the hot sleepers out there. Oh yeah, I'm also a hot sleeper. (laughs) Told you, I have a lot of requirements. Helix cares about everyone getting the mattress that works best for them and has options for all body types, including plus sized. I took the Helix quiz and it recommended me the Midnight Lux mattress. It's a perfect combo of soft, but still has a lot of support for my back. If you're in the market for a new mattress, you should hop on over to the Helix site and take the quiz and see what they recommend for you. It comes shipped right to your door. Go to helixsleep.com feathers, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Each mattress has a 10-year warranty. Try it out risk-free for 100 days. If you don't like it, they'll even come pick it up for you for free. But I feel pretty confident that you're going to like it. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com feathers. That's helixsleep.com F-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. Hey, where do we want to start this week? Should we start with Mackenzie McKee because we were already talking about her? I think we should. So Josh is coming to visit because remember, Josh doesn't live there at this point. I'm still so confused on this timeline. How long has she been in Florida? Josh flew down, so I guess he wasn't moving at this point. But the way that Mackenzie (laughs) interacts with Josh. So yesterday, my friend Stas and I were talking about this, and we decided to go through all of the Teen Mom and Teen Mom 2 cast and characters' love languages. (laughs) (laughs) because it is so clear that Mackenzie and Josh do not have matching love languages. Mackenzie's love language is clearly words of affirmation, clearly. Now, I would imagine Josh, actually, I have no idea what Josh's is because I do not understand Josh as a person whatsoever. Like, it's actually kind of nuts, like, how little of a read I have on Josh because he's just so turned off on camera. Like, Nobody has ever shut down on camera quite like Josh McKee, but it's so clear that Mackenzie's uh, love language is words of affirmation, and it's very clear that Josh is unable to give that to her, and she is going to keep running like running into it and butting into it, and I actually noticed this because when in the last episode or the episode when they were driving to Florida, he was like, I love you so much. I love our family. You're so hot. I just want to be with you. Like, I noticed when they're making up from fights, he, like, leans really hard into the, like, you're amazing. I love you. The words of affirmation because that's what Mackenzie likes and that's how he has to get back in with her. 
At least I think that's what's going on. And then as soon as he doesn't have to do that anymore, he gives up on it. So she picks him up and he like gets into the car and he's kind of quiet. And she's like, oh, so you're like already annoyed at us. You're just like not you're not happy to be here. And he's like, I have a headache. <laughs> I just don't like does Mackenzie not know Josh? Because like even though I just said like I do not know him and I don't have a single like or I don't have a read on him at all. I still feel like I know him better than Mackenzie does because it's like Mackenzie wakes up every day thinking Josh is a completely different person than he is. And then she just like spends the rest of her day fucking angry about it, <laughs> which is something that I think a lot of people do in relationships. But also with Mackenzie, you're getting a little old for this. Like, you're rounding the corner on your late 20s. Like, it's time to move on from this thing where every day you're hoping your husband is something that he's not and then getting mad at him for being the person that he is. Now, do I think she has a right to be mad at him? Yeah, because Josh sucks. Josh is awful. But it's like, how many times can you put yourself in the position to be let down by Josh? So, Josh is in Florida. They, like, As she lets us know in her talking head, Josh is making a big effort to save our marriage. And I'm like, coming to visit his children? (laughs) I want to know what Josh's effort. I think for Mackenzie, I think Josh is probably so hot and cold. But I don't know. I would say he's like so lukewarm and then so cold. Like, I think when Josh is mad, he is mad. He doesn't speak to anybody. Like, he just completely cuts you off. Like, don't bother ever talking to Josh again. He's never going to call you. Like, I think when they're fighting, Mackenzie can't get a hold of him. Like, that type of shit. So I think as soon as he, like, shows her any bit of attention and affection, she's like, Josh is trying so hard. Because, like, what's there to try? Like, he's either cheating on you or he's not. (laughs) Because that seems to be the running issue through your relationship. So she FaceTimes with a friend and her friend. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. A yawn just like escaped from my mouth. (laughs) Like I couldn't get to the pause button fast enough. But Mackenzie FaceTimes with a friend, which is a really fucking funny scene. Her friend is over it. Her friend just like. It has no tolerance for the Josh of it all. So she's like, you know, Josh is here and I just don't even know who this man is. And her friend goes, I love you to death, but, you know, I've always been straight up and honest with you. And I'm like, yes, let's be straight up and honest. I love it when a person starts with like, you know, I've always been honest with you, right? (laughs) I love that intro. She's like, I think that Josh needs to make some long-lasting changes, and I don't really understand what he's doing to make them. She's like, this is what you guys do every single time. You get into a fight, then he comes back around, he acts like he's on his best behavior, and then once he gets tired of doing that, he stops, and you guys fight again. And I think that's really astute of her friend. Like, Josh very much is in that, like, that's, I mean, I don't want to say they're in the cycle of violence, because I don't know if that's fair. I do think Josh is pretty emotionally abusive towards Mackenzie in that he's like very withholding of affection and does these hot and cold moments with her. I think they're in a pretty toxic relationship. I don't think we see enough for me to call Josh an abuser at all, like of any sort. I I don't feel comfortable with that, but I do think that they have Uh, cycles that are similar to abusive relationship in which they have these big blow ups. 
then whichever one of them is wrong comes crawling back. They're in the honeymoon phase. And then once again, they go into the blow up. Like, I think that that is how their relationship works. And everybody's fucking sick of seeing it, which like, who could blame them? And where was I? Oh, so her friend is like, you know, you like need to actually change something. I don't really understand like why you think that this is going to work because it's not going to. It hasn't. She's like, I really wanted you to go to Florida and get a clean break. And Mackenzie's like, <laughs> Mackenzie's just like, I mean, um, I don't know. Like you can tell she did not think that this friend's reaction was going to be this. She thought she was going to call up her girlfriend. Her girlfriend was going to be like, I'm so happy for you. I'm so, like when she opened like, I don't even know who this man is here. You know, she wanted her friend to be like, oh, Mackenzie, that's so great. I'm so happy for y'all. That's so great. And her friend was like, actually, I do know who this man is. I know who he is. And so do you. So stop fucking pretending like you don't know who he is. So she's her friend makes another really great point where she's like, I feel like Josh is just on vacation right now. And what's it going to be like in real life, which is so true. I mean, I am like a big believer in vacations, like not being the answer for (laughs) issues in your life, Um, especially like relationship issues, because it's very easy to like make changes on vacation and to be happy on vacation. It's very hard for them to be in your real life. Like, I know that every time I go on vacation somewhere, I'm like, should I move here? Like, I I truly start making plans on how I'm going to move to wherever I am because I just feel like a whole new person. I'm so glad to be there and I don't have the stress of my normal life. And I'm always like, this is the plan. Like, I am dropping out of school. I'm quitting my job. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. I'm going to change my major so that I can go abroad and live here. Like, this is something that I've always done. I don't end up following through on it because the reality is, is like, that's not going to fix things. It's, you know, I talk about it on here all the time. The geography change where is what we call it in AA. And it's like wherever you go, there you are. And you're going to bring all your fucking problems with you. And being in that place like is great on vacation. But is that place great when you actually have to like live a life there? Often it's not any better than where you're living. So I think like Josh and Mackenzie are very much in vacation mode on this trip. Like Josh doesn't have to go to work. I mean, I don't even know if Josh works, but he's on vacation. They're in a house that's not theirs. Like, yeah, it's their rental, but like they don't have to worry about the house. That furniture isn't theirs. Like they're very much on a vacation. And I think she's totally right. Like what's going to happen when real life comes crashing down? Because if Josh moves to Florida, it will be their real life eventually, you know, like the real life shit is going to keep coming up. So Mackenzie is like fed up with her friend. She does not want to talk about this. Mackenzie goes, you know what? I'm so happy here. I don't want to think about this stuff and I don't want to talk about this stuff because like what's there left to talk about, which I definitely get at a certain point. Like I can understand totally like not wanting to have a conversation again because like what is there left to say? I mean, I definitely like have recently was giving a friend an advice on something with her husband and she was like, I feel like I should say something because what he did was wrong, but I actually 
don't want to say anything because all we're going to do is fight over it. And I don't feel like getting in a fight about this. <laughs> like, I like I just don't really care to fight about this. It doesn't change what happened. We've talked to her blue in the face about it. So I don't think I'm going to talk to him about it. And I was like, well, I mean, I don't really blame you. Like, what's the point of continuously talking about things if it's not going to actually change anything? And so I can understand why Mackenzie is there. But like the reality is like, Matt girl, this is your life. And yet talking about things maybe won't change it. But like what has Josh done to show you that his behavior is going to change at all? It doesn't seem like much. And I think her friend has, like, a really, really great line. And she, her friend, I really liked her friend. I thought her friend had a lot, was being, like, very good and truthful with her without being a bitch. And I actually, even though I think Mahansi, like, wasn't totally willing to hear us, I will say she took it, like, pretty well. She could have pushed back a lot harder. I think she knew what her friend was saying was true. She just doesn't want to do anything about it. So her friend says, you know, reconciliation is a process with a lot of steps. It takes a long time, and you can't just skip those steps because they're going to come back up. I thought that was great. I Like, I don't know if this girl's been to marriage counseling, but, like, because, like, reconciliation is a long process. Definitely, to me, sounds like a therapy phrase, but it's fucking true. Like, it is a long process, and it takes time, and there's a reason that y'all broke up, you know? Like, there's a reason that Josh and Mackenzie were not together, and so just, like, skipping that step and going right to this honeymoon phase, like, is not going to help shit. Like, and the reality is, I think that if Josh and Mackenzie really want to be together, they should be in therapy. They should be working on things. But that's just not the type of person Josh is. Like, I don't think Josh would ever agree to go to therapy. And if he did, he would just sit there and not say anything. So, like, I don't think that Josh is interested in reconciling the way that it needs to happen. And I don't know if Mackenzie is either. And Mackenzie is very much like when I did feel for her in this because I know when I was in a really bad relationship, like, I just And a friend would say something like that to me. Like, I knew it was true, but I didn't want to acknowledge it was true because if it was true, it meant that we had to break up and I don't want to break up with him. Um, Actually, this week I was on Princess's um, Patreon, her Buy Pumpkin Patreon. We talked about an episode of Intervention from season 12 about this guy, Nick, who, like, was my ex-boyfriend. Literally, like, me and Nick and his girlfriend, Crystal, were, like, me and my ex-boyfriend. It was too many similarities, is what I'm saying. But we were... I was talking about the fact that, like, for years, I, like, let him do all of this stuff to me that, like, I full knew what was going on, but I, like, wouldn't admit it to myself because if I admitted it to myself, it meant that, like, we had to break up because it was unacceptable what he was doing. Like, stealing money from me is unacceptable, actually. So if I, like, acknowledge that you're the one that sold this money for me, which you absolutely were, and we both fucking know it. Like, if I acknowledge that, that means that we had to break up. So I'm just, like, not going to acknowledge this, and then we don't have to break up uh, because I'm not ready to break up with you right now. And I think that's very much where Mackenzie is with Josh, when the reality is, is like, everything that she, like, that actually needs to happen is just going to lead to a breakup between Josh and Mackenzie because Josh and Mackenzie are not good together and should not be together because they do, I mean, I don't know what Mackenzie does for Josh. She, She seems to annoy the fuck out of him. So, like, but as far as, like, what Josh does for Mackenzie, it seems to be very, very little. Mackenzie needs, like, 
a gym guy. Like, Mackenzie needs Javi. Honestly, like, Javi and Mackenzie would be so fucking good together because he would, like, hype her up. He'd be all about doing the TikToks with her. He would be in the gym with her. He'd be like, let's open a gym. Like, I think Mackenzie really needs, one, a true partner. I think she doesn't have a true partner in Josh. She's never had a true partner in Josh, and she has no idea what that would look like. And I think that she doesn't really realize what she's missing because she has only been with Josh. You know, like as far as being in a relationship, she has only been with Josh. And it seems like Angie was the one that like totally controlled the relationship with Brad and did everything. So I think Mackenzie maybe just thinks like this is the way that it's supposed to be. My guess with Brad and Angie would be that like it worked for them because they both seemed quite happy as far as we know. I mean, if they weren't, they weren't, they're not going to tell us, but they both seemed like quite happy with it like that. And so I think Mackenzie feels like, well, this is what my mom did and that worked for them. So it should be working for me. But in reality, that's not how Mackenzie is. And Mackenzie, I think would benefit so much from like a true partner who wanted to be goofy with her, who was really outgoing, who wanted to build a brand together and like, let's open a fucking CrossFit gym. And like, I really like another like juice head guy, like let's get in shape for fucking fitness competitions together. Like Mackenzie is pretty. Mackenzie's pretty. Mackenzie has money because she's on a fucking television show and does social media influencing. Like Mackenzie's kind of a catch. Like Could I be with Mackenzie? No, she would drive me up a fucking wall. But Mackenzie is a cash cat. She may have three kids, but she's in great shape. She has a nice family. I know everybody has their opinions on Mackenzie's family, but I think they're pretty nice overall. She has uh, a nice energy that some people would like that are not named Liz Bentley, but other people not named Liz Bentley may like that type of energy. She gets a lot of attention, which, you know, a lot of people want that clout, right? Like, I really think that Mackenzie could find real, true happiness in somebody else. And I don't think that it's from Josh. And I don't think, I don't think Josh physically or emotionally can give her what she needs. And I think when they fucking accept that, they'll be able to move on. I think that like Mackenzie's so desperate for Josh to just become a person that he's not and he he's never going to. So I I really think that it's going to have to be Josh that like fully pulls the cord on this. I think he got very close with this Florida or like with this last breakup. They seem to be not together for quite a while. But I think Josh is going to have to be the one to call it because I just don't think Mackenzie has the courage to leave him, which is sad because it's like, girl, stop wasting your time on him. Like I might think Mackenzie is a racist piece of shit and she is but the reality is is like she could do much better than Josh and there are a lot of men out there that are willing that would be willing to be her life partner and it's really sad that she hates herself so much that she doesn't see that right like that's what is at the root of all this is that Mackenzie truly hates herself and always has hated herself and let's be real probably comes from the way that her mother treated her as she was growing up (laughs) I know this whole book, by the way, is going to be about her talking about like what a Saint Angie is, but sharing stories where us with like any sort of emotional intelligence are like, oh, that's bad. Like when Angie wrote that fucking birthday post for her where she just like tore Mackenzie apart in every sentence and said that Mackenzie was diagnosed with oppositional defiance disorder. (laughs) I haven't forgotten that one. I will never forget that. But I think that 
you know, Mackenzie, unfortunately, was kind of beat down by her mom a lot of her life. And then she met Josh when she was really young. And that's all she's known. And it's sad. And I I hope Mackenzie realizes that she can do better one day. Okay, let's quickly talk about Cheyenne, who I guess this whole season is just going to be about the fact, like, will they or won't they get married with Zach and Cheyenne, which feels okay. I mean, I guess, like, I feel pretty confident that Zach and Cheyenne will be getting married. I wouldn't be surprised if they get married before the baby comes. I think she's due in June, so I wouldn't be too shocked if we find out that they have, like, a little wedding in April, maybe. I think that they probably should get married. I mean, they both want to be married. And if the only reason they're not getting married is because they can't afford a $60,000 ring. (laughs) Can we discuss that for a second? (laughs) Guys, like, I know I'm not rich. So this, like, a ring like that is not for me anyway. But, like, a $60,000 ring. Like, first of all, jewelry does not retain value like that. Um, My family recently got like, or my dad was showing me my grandma's appraised jewelry. And he said that the guy told him like to expect to get like one tenth of all of the prices. So like when I was looking, my dad just like had me go through and was like, well, what pieces do you want? My grandma's so alive. But like when she dies, I guess her jewelry is going to be split up by uh, three of her sons. And so I like what was going through and just being like, well, I like this. I think I could get this made with it. And he was like, don't even bother looking at prices because None of this is really worth a lot at all because it just doesn't, like, jewelry doesn't retain value the way that, like, we think that it does. So the idea of spending $60,000 on an engagement ring is fucking insane. It is insane. I cannot believe that. I don't believe Zach has that type of money. Like, where's this money coming from? And I mean, maybe he doesn't. Maybe Cheyenne would be buying this for herself. The reality is Cheyenne's on a television show. She's probably getting $400,000 a season at this point. I think she came in making a decent amount of money. I remember the talk was that Bristol was getting $250,000 that season. 250000 Yeah, I just like heard in my... I was like, did I just say she's getting $250? <laughs> No, Bristol started 250k and I would imagine Shy started probably not that much lower than there because remember she had been on MTV already and Corey like really was why they were trying to get them on the show so I'm sure Corey negotiated a rate for them that was pretty good. So, not for nothing like Cheyenne is on a television show. She does social media work. Like Cheyenne's probably making a decent amount of money right now, but the idea of a $60,000 ring is just it's just insane. It's true like it if you are a billionaire, I just finished re-listening to the Crazy Rich Asian series, which was such a nice re-listen because all the books are like 20 hours long and they're so mindless. And I just felt so relaxing to be in that world for like three weeks. And now that I'm out of it, I'm feeling a little adrift. I did start the the True Blood books, the Suki Stackhouse books, which I'm like almost done the first one. It's pretty good. Um, It hasn't, like, fully, like, pulled me in yet, but, like, it's okay. I like it, but there's nothing better for me than just, like, being in an audiobook series. It's why, once again, it's an ADD thing is that I feel a lot of comfort from, like, re-listening or re-watching things that I've already watched. So, I've always been this way, and so I re-listen. Like, I have a favorite 
audiobook series that I re-listen to every year, like 10 books, because I just enjoy being in that world. It's like very easy for me to turn that in. And I get into these phases where I like, I hate every podcast. I don't want to listen to any new books. Like I only want to listen to this like comforting junk that I already know what's going to happen. I already know what characters I love. And being in the Crazy Rich Asian series, I've been um, thinking a lot about money (laughs) for the last few weeks. Um, And to those people in the book, a $60,000 ring is like something that you buy before breakfast. But for the large majority of people all over the world, buying a ring for $60,000 is nonsensical. It's just nonsensical. It makes no sense. There's no reason to do it. Like, you have to be making, in my opinion, millions of dollars a year to justify spending that much money on a ring. Now, well, are you wearing the ring every day? Yeah. Is it something that you're going to have for your entire life? Sure. But $60,000 is just so much money unless you are somebody that is making a ton of money. And I do not believe Zach and Cheyenne are at the point, in my opinion, where it's reasonable for you to spend that type of money on jewelry. It's silly to like wait. If the reason that you're not getting married is because of the ring, I think that's quite silly. Now, I like nice things. (laughs) This is not me shaming people who have nice wedding rings. Like I would love a big... Uh, solitaire, what are they, like the pear cut diamonds? Like, I would like a really nice wedding engagement ring. Like, I don't think spending $10,000 on a ring is insane. <laughs> I mean, I pro- I might not be able to afford that, but I feel like I have plenty of friends who have rings in the five to $10,000 range, and I don't think that's crazy. Like, I think that's obviously a large amount of money, but I don't think it's crazy to want to have a nice piece of jewelry that you wear every day. I I like jewelry. I like pretty jewelry. I like nice things. I think that I think it's really shitty when we tell women that they like shouldn't expect to have something nice and that like if you want something nice like you're the problem. You always see on Reddit on these like am I the asshole or relationship subreddits people are always like my girlfriend wants a $3000 ring and I can't afford it and she says we won't get married if I don't get it and every comment is like my ring costs 12 cents it's not about the ring my husband and I've been married for 20 years and anybody who wants a ring is a fucking shallow cunt like that's really how it goes and I don't believe that to be true I think if you want a nice ring like and you can afford it like go for it I just think $60,000 is so outrageous of a price. So yeah, like I said, I I understand buying nice stuff. I like nice things. I also think that like if you're supposedly wearing this ring for the rest of your life, it should be something you like and you should be able to, if not pick out exactly the one that you want, like have your, the style of ring that you want. Like I'm totally, totally, totally for that. I'm totally for if you do start doing better in your career, upgrading your ring, like I'm on board with nice things. So it's not that I'm saying like Cheyenne sucks for wanting to have a nice wedding ring or engagement ring. I that's not the case. I just think that's an unreasonable price and that like it, I bet they could afford a $10,000 ring now. Um, They go to dinner with Zach's dad and he is just like, you know, I just don't really understand, like, why you're not getting married. Like, you're having a baby. Like, why don't you get married? I kind of feel the same way. I mean, I know that, like, you don't have to get married just because you're having a baby. And I would say, like, if you 
accidentally get pregnant. Like, you shouldn't marry someone just because you're pregnant. But what I don't really truly understand is, like, getting with someone, purposely having a baby, looking to buy a home together, but being like, well, we don't run a want to rush into marriage. <laughs> that I don't really understand. I, I get that there are people who just aren't married because they don't want to be married and they don't believe in marriage. And that's not who I'm talking about. Like, that's a whole different thing that I get and I respect. What I don't understand is like people who want to be married, who it, it is something that they want. And then they make all of these like lifelong commitments to one another, which to me, it kind of feels like having a baby is way more of a commitment than marriage. And buying a house together is a huge fucking commitment, like a huge commitment um, that I don't really understand like then why getting married is so like, oh, hold it, pump the brakes. Like, I don't know if we need to do this. I I've never been in this situation, so I don't know. Maybe I'd feel different. Maybe I would feel different if I was in this situation, but I I, I get where their family's coming from, where they think they should get married, because I kind of agree. I think they should get married. <laughs> Turns out I'm a real traditionalist. <laughs> it's funny, the older I get, I feel like the more traditional I, I am in, like, relationship values in that, like, I really have no interest in living with a man unless we're planning on getting married and, like, have a date that we're getting married. I, because, like, what's the point of that? I don't know. Like, if you told me that I would have felt that way 10 years ago, I would have been like, that's fucking stupid. But now that I'm older, I don't, it's not that I feel like I want to rush into something, but it's definitely, like, if I am going to, like, move in with you, it's like we're going to be making a lifelong commitment. Like, if we're buying a house together, like, there needs to be a date that we are getting married. Like, I just, I think that's how I would be because I do eventually want to get married, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't want to not get married, but I also don't, like, want to get married. So, you know, that is what it is. Um, <laughs> If, I guess if we, like, this pandemic never ends and also online dating is the only thing that exists, maybe I'll never get married because I just fucking hate online dating so, so, so much. But I'm not writing off the table. That's what I'm saying. I would like to be married, but it does not seem like a be end end all for my life. Clearly, because I do not try and date because I hate online dating. If I really wanted to get married, I'd be putting much more of an effort into it uh, than I am now, which is I will go on Tinder once every three months, swipe around, and then not check it again for three months because I just hate it so much. A couple months ago, I was like, I was like, I'm going to put an effort into this. And I lasted two days. <laughs> After two days, I was like, I don't want to look at any of the messages that I have. This is too much. Also, like, I'm not going to meet people. It's a it's a pandemic. I mean, I will be. I did get my first vaccine shot. And so I should be fully back. I will be fully vaccinated in two weeks. Well, like, I'll, I'm getting my second shot in two weeks. So I don't know. Maybe once I'm fully vaccinated, well, I'll re I'll reconsider it. But it's just online dating truly the worst. I don't know how I got here. Um, oh, that I think Cheyenne and Zach should get married. They have dinner with her dad and they're talking about the ring price. And her dad was like, I bought your mom a fake ring. And she didn't know until we got divorced. <laughs> I'd be pissed about that because it's dishonest. I don't like dishonesty. And if we can't afford a ring, like there are so many. I love um, like art deco style rings. I love like uh, 
precious gem stuff. Like I would be so down with a pretty, well, first of all, I'd be, I think I'd be down with like a, what are they called? Like a masonite ring. The ones that are like lab made diamonds. Like I'd be down with that. They're much cheaper than the blood diamonds. I would be totally down with a lot of different type of rings. Like there are so many rings that I love on this website, Local Eclectic, for under $200. I actually just ordered a new one because my last one uh, broke. I'm not very happy about it, but I just ordered a cute new one. Like there are definitely rings on there and on Etsy for under $200 that I would gladly wear as an engagement ring if we could not afford any ring. But like don't present me something fake without me knowing it. Like that I don't like. But I don't like dishonesty. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Um, That's it for Cheyenne. I guess we'll talk about Amber next. This was like a weird episode. Everybody talked about how high Amber seemed. But I'll be honest, I didn't really see it. But I don't think I was like paying very close attention to Amber scenes. But I think she's been high all season. I don't know if it's like her meds. Like, I, I guess it could be her meds. Once again, another week of Amber being on Instagram Live all week long. Like, almost every time I get on Instagram, she's on live. It's so depressing to me. I just want her to make some friends. Like, I I really think, like, that is a big reason that she is always on Instagram Live is because she doesn't have friends to talk to, and that makes me sad. It makes me sad. Get internet friends, Amber. Like, you can get internet friends. I have, you know, like me, like internet friends. Get on Reddit. Like, make some internet friends. But you don't have to, like, take, like, be on Instagram Live where people can just, like, be attacking you. Like, I went on one and it was like, fuck you. Leah does, like, you don't deserve Leah or James. They they need a better mother. Which is like, okay, that's not untrue. (laughs) It's not an untrue statement, but, like, why are you subjecting yourself to that type of hate every day? Doesn't make sense to me. So, basically, Amber was supposed to see Leah, but she thought she had COVID and was waiting on COVID test results, so she had to call Leah and cancel. Um, Here's the thing. Like, if this was a one-time thing, this wouldn't be a story. The reason this is a story is because Amber cancels on Leah a lot, and Amber won't admit it and they don't come right out and say it. But like, we know that to be true. It's been an ongoing thing since she got back from prison. It's a thing with James because when her, when Andrew and Amber went back to court, he showed documentation that she didn't take advantage of like half of her visits for reasons like it was raining out. So Amber cancels a lot. And I do like, I do understand that that's probably a result of her mental health. Like, It's really hard to be an active figure in anybody's life when you have mental health issues. It is like when it's hard, like it's impossible to get out of bed. Like it's impossible to get out of bed. Like I do have empathy there for Amber, but I think that my um, sympathy for Leah outweighs my empathy for Amber. And it's just really, it really makes me sad. The idea of Leah you know, being old enough now that she is bucking to this. Uh, it's crazy to think that they're, I mean, it's really interesting how old these kids are now and that this season we're hearing Leah kind of come at Amber for all of the shit that she's done. We're hearing Bentley come at Ryan. Um, I like this. I like, I mean, it's not really fair to the kids. <laughs> that this shit is on TV. But like when I hear from Amber that Leah like came at her for putting her second her whole life to men, I was like, 
awesome. Go Leah. Like, good for you. Um, It's sad, but I think that this is probably around the age that, like, I don't know, that I probably started to realize, like, my parents sucked. Uh, maybe I was younger. But, like, I think 10 is 10, 11 is, like, really when, especially when you go to middle school and, like, you're starting to understand relationships better in all aspects, your friends, boyfriends, whatever, I think you also start to understand your parental relationships better and, like, why they're fucked up. So, Amber has a producer come over in one of those silly, silly face masks that are not face masks. They just cover the mouth and nose, but the entire bottom is open. I I do not get them. I do not get why they're not just wearing masks. I mean, I guess they'd be really good for lip reading, but not for preventing COVID. <laughs> it's really, it, every time I see them, I just get annoyed because I'm like, that's not doing anything. But Amber's explaining to the producer and the producer's totally just like being her bullshit enabler. She's like, that's what you're supposed to do if you don't feel well. Like, you have to call it off. And Amber's like, I know, I was keeping her safe. <laughs> but basically, uh, she says, Amber says, Leah, she she hates me now. Oh, she showed um like a keychain that Leah had given her. And she goes, ugh, but she hates me now. Which, oh, I didn't like that. I didn't like her saying that on camera. I think that was really like a self-centered statement to say, like, Leah doesn't hate you. She's mad at you. I think this, I think this is probably how Amber deals with emotions a lot. But this idea that like the problem between them is that Leah hates her is so far from the truth. Leah does not hate Amber at all. Leah desperately loves her mother, clearly, and is just constantly hurt by her. And Amber not being able to see that, I think, is kind of typical Amber. You know, like, I I think that's just the deal with Amber. So I guess Leah said to her that men have always been a priority to Amber. Um, I think it's interesting that Leah brought this up now when Amber doesn't have a boyfriend. I wonder if she thought that Amber not having a boy... I kind of wonder if Leah's realizing that it's not just the boyfriends. You know, I think it's easy to be like, well, mom wants to be with her boyfriend, not with me. And... That hurts me, but it's not necessarily a reflection of me. Um, But when there's no boyfriend to even blame it on, that's tough. It's really tough. Um, So we see Gary and Christina talking about it. And basically, Gary is like, I think that it's good that Leah said something. I think that you shouldn't just ignore your feelings because it's going to come up. He talks about his own mother and how he was always put second behind men for his mom And it really, it hurt him and made him feel like he wasn't wanted and he felt rejected. And he's worried that that's how Leah feels with Amber. And I mean, he knows that's how Leah feels with Amber. So Amber goes to get lunch with her mom. Tanya looked actually better than I feel like we've seen her physically. She sounded way less slurry uh, in her language. So she still seemed a little out of it. But I think overall, she seemed to be in a decent place and she's like, you know, I just need to get some advice from my mom. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Your mom? Do you think that's the best idea? <laughs> and so they're talking about it. And Amber says, you know, to be honest, I can't necessarily blame the man that I've been, the men that I've been with because it was up to me to stop the relationship, which I thought was good. Um, she talks about they talk about the fact that Tanya, like, 
it took her a while to leave Amber's dad and that Amber had a lot of resentment for that, um, which I can understand that one. Uh, having an abusive dad and your mom not leaving and just being like angry at your mom about it, <sighs> you know, been there. And so I think that she, at least Amber is like being able to connect that how she felt as a child is probably how Leah feels, at least when it comes to like the men in her mother's life. So, you know, you know, like Amber, Tanya is like, I always fought for you kids. And it's like, mm, did you? <laughs> I just, ever since watching Marriage Bootcamp with Tanya, I am just like, no, hard no, hard no. So apparently Leah told Amber the next time she has availability, she'll tell her. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Amber says that, you know, I'm your mom. You need to look at what I'm doing. Oh, okay. So I guess she, she, Amber and Tanya are talking about the fact that Leah's mad about the past and that like, this is finally the time that they're going to talk about the past and Amber is going to have to explain the past. And then Amber says this really nutty thing, which is, I'm your mom. You need to look at what I'm doing now. We need to look at the future, not the past. And it's like, you cannot tell a kid that. I mean, it's hard enough as an adult to not focus on your past, right? Like, that is a skill that you develop into adulthood that some people never develop. But it's especially hard when you have trauma in your past, which Leah has an extreme amount of trauma. Leah's ACE score is probably through the fucking roof. She probably hits all of them, actually. She's lived in a home with domestic violence. She's had a parent that went to prison. She lived below the poverty line for the first few years of her life, like, Leah might, I would have to go look it up, but Leah might hit, like, qualify under every question on the ACE test. Like, Leah's had a tough go at it, and she's been very fortunate that she has the stability with Gary and Christina that's come around since she was, like, five or six, but we don't really like to acknowledge it, but, you know, the trauma that we go through as young children pre-permanent memories like affect us forever. I've been really interested lately in this uh man named uh Gabor, I believe is his first name, Mate. Gaber Mate. I think it's Gabor. It's Dr. Gabor Mate. He did an episode of the podcast called Last Day Podcast, which is a good podcast. I would suggest listening to it, but especially his episode. He is a trauma and addiction specialist, and he has this idea that, like, we just, like, carry trauma with us through everything and that everybody who is using, like, substances addictively has trauma, even if, like, you may not think that it's trauma. Um, She's, like, when he comes on the podcast, he's talking with the host who. Her brother was a famous comedian, Harris Whittles, and he overdosed and died. And so she was doing this podcast about people dying from heroin addiction. And, you know, she was like, we had this great childhood. We had no problems. Like, I don't understand. And Dr. Mate was like, well, you know, it might not be like the trauma that you're thinking of. It could be that he was born second. So he never got his parents' complete attention. And like maybe one day he was really embarrassed by something at school and it just made this like really profound impact on him. And Dr. Monte's thing is like, it's not, trauma is not what you experience, it's what you feel, which I thought is very interesting and to me explains why people 
certain people can have like really traumatic situations happen and like not have any long-term effects on them. And then there are people that can't deal with things that happen to them, even if they're not necessarily that bad. I think that like this idea that we, what we feel like impacts us for a long time, I think is very interesting. I'm not explaining it that well, but I definitely recommend Dr. Mate. It's spelled M-A-T-E. You should listen to him if you're interested in that type of shit. But where was I? Oh, so Leah has had a lot of trauma. And I mean, she witnessed her mom beating her dad and she may have been a little baby and she may, well, actually, I mean, I would be very curious to know how the trauma of your parents physically fighting on camera affects you. Because most people who watched a parent abuse another parent as children, like, don't have those memories on tape. And they're not played on television repeatedly. So I'd be really curious to know, like, how that impacts Leah. Because I'm sitting here being like, and all this stuff happened before she had memory, but it definitely affected her. Like, Leah could be binging Team Mom OG right now on fucking Paramount Plus or whatever. She could go on Amazon.com and buy all of the whole series of Team Mom OG and watch all of that. So it is interesting to think that, like, that may be pre-memory for Leah, but it's a memory she can access via film I'd be very curious um, to know, like, how that affects kids. What I'm saying is, after I become a social worker, I guess I will start doing research on this. <laughs> Psych, I'm in a research class right now, and I, my brain just, like, doesn't think like that. Like, I understand. <laughs> I understand qualitative things where you just, like, ask questions and people answer them. Um, I know how to like write a research question and then my brain kind of falls out. I need a person to just explain the research to me. But I am very curious about how that affects life because that's a pretty unique and new phenomena. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we have home movies and some of that shit can be triggering. I actually was like watching home movies that we got digitized and I start, I cried. They made me really upset. <laughs> Even though they, like, weren't bad, I don't know, like, something about watching me as a child, like, really upset me, and I stopped watching them. I was like, I can't really do this. Um, I think because, I don't know, I don't want to get into it. I'm just going to start crying, I think. But I wonder what it's like to have footage of you, you being able to watch your mom beat up your dad while you sat there and watched, and, like, be able to see baby you on the screen. Poor Leah, poor Jace. I mean... Poor Aubrey, who's going to go back and see all of those terrible things that Adam said about her mom. Most of us just, like, have it buried deep in our memory. I, it's very, it's very sad. It's very sad. And I'd be really, I guess I need to figure out a way to contact all of the kids on Teen Mom and ask them to be in a study. I mean, eventually, I think we'll probably start studying this because it's not just going to be reality TV people, right? All of these people with vlogs. Um, I mean, just like the amount of content that we record and post is so different. We have a ton of home movies because my dad liked to videotape, but even that is just like on Christmas and, you know, like we don't have that much footage. Like, I mean, most kids today are going to have thousands of hours 
if they can access them. I I think the other thing is that this is a lot of the stuff we recorded now is like ephemera. It's just going to disappear because we have too much of it almost. And like, we'll get a new iPhone and we won't transfer it over. Like, I think that may be a thing that we have so many pictures and videos that it might be too much. So a lot of it gets lost. I'm not totally sure, but we'll see. Okay, so Amber says... It's talking about how they need to focus on the future. And Tanya's like, well, you know, you need to be there for her. And Amber's response is, Amber's so narcissistic. I don't think Amber's a narcissist, but she is so narcissistic. She says, I've been there for her, okay? If people don't understand that, it's not my problem anymore. And her mom goes, your child's always going to be your problem. Now, I think what Amber is saying here, (laughs) I think she's saying, like, It's not my problem if the people that watch this show think that I'm not here for Leah. But the fact that her mom heard it as she doesn't care, like she, it's not her problem to be there for Leah anymore, I think speaks loudly to Amber's parenting and like what Tanya observes and her observable behavior. And that's not great. (laughs) It's not great at all. Okay, let's pop on over to Election Day in Michigan, which, okay, I guess they're the only ones that were willing to talk about politics on camera. I'm kind of curious if that's what's happening, if they were the only ones that were willing to, like, vote on camera and really be open about it. I would imagine Macy and Taylor, I mean, we've gone over this, right? We don't know who votes and who doesn't, but we do know that Caitlin votes. We actually found that out last season when we found out Tyler wasn't registered and Caitlin was voting in primaries. Um, So we know Caitlin is a voter, but basically this episode, they decided that they really want to be involved and Tyler registers to vote and they realize how important it is because they live in Michigan, which, yes, it's very important. Thank you for delivering us, Michigan, Caitlin and Tyler. You know, we really appreciate it. (laughs) I remember in like the 2004 election, my Aunt Judy after, that must have been John Kerry, right? After John Kerry won, like calling and we didn't answer for whatever reason. And the voicemail was like, thank you for delivering the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> I think that was 2004. It may have been 2000. But, you know, they make sure they're registered to vote. Tyler says he's really upset with the government. He's upset with the way they've handled the pandemic, Black Lives Matter related issues. Look, I'm glad that they're getting involved, right? Like, do I think it's completely unhinged? that you could have gone till 2020 without voting. Yeah. But did I also register to vote like the minute I turned 18? Yes. And I understand that I can't hold everybody to the standard with which I live. I get that. I also get that, you know, I came from a home where my parents actively voted and vote in basically every election. So it's just normal for me. And my parents care a lot about politics. So we always talked about politics. It's just like always been something that we've cared about. And I, Caitlin and Tyler both say that neither of their parents ever voted. So I get it. Like, if your parents don't vote, you're just, like, not very tuned into current events. I, I guess I can get it. I mean, look, I'm glad they voted in 2020. I'm glad so many people, people voted in 2020. I'm so glad Donald Trump's not our president. Did you see that fucking video of Joe Biden falling up the stairs of Air Force One? Oh, look. Do I think Joe Biden has dementia? No. I, not really, No. Um, I mean, I'm sure he has some some cognitive decline because he's in his 80s. I'm not 
that worried about that because I think in reality, um, he probably knows that. I always think that like Biden knows his cognitive decline is there and he has a pretty strong cabinet and team around him. Now, do I agree with a lot of things they do? No, but it's not like Trump where he just had like weaklings around him and nobody had any idea what to do and nobody could manage it. I think at least a positive Joe Biden is that he has experienced people working with him. And while I may not agree with all of it, at least it's like running the government. I think like that was a big issue in the Trump. Hey guys, I have a hot take here. I have a real hot take. Donald Trump didn't have an effective government. I know, I know, I'm being really controversial here. I mean, the vaccine alone has been just so mind-blowingly mishandled. I Pennsylvania, for whatever reason, has done such a poor job. It's done such a poor job with distribu- distributing the vaccine. It's I cannot emphasize enough how poorly this is being run. I know so many people who are unable to get it. I have a friend uh, that I've known since elementary school who has muscular dystrophy. He's had it since elementary school. And actually he, I mean, we're in our thirties now and he still is like at the same progression that he was when he was like eight. It's quite rare and it's been actually pretty amazing. He's very lucky in that regard, but he's essentially totally handicapped. He breathes on a machine. Like he, he does not breathe on his own. Um, he can't really speak. He he does have use of like his hands so uh, he can like type and play video games and that type of stuff. But he posted the other day that his vaccine got canceled because for whatever reason, they decided he couldn't get the second vaccine there. So they canceled his vaccine appointment. He's like, where do I go to get another appointment? Um, this is somebody who breathes with a machine. How he is not on a fucking list that the government calls the minute there's a vaccine and says, hey, friend, your number, this number, you'll be here on this day. Let us know if we can help you. I mean, my good friend's mom has cancer and like remitting cancer. Like I I don't really understand it totally, but she goes to chemo, I think every other month and she had to like hunt down to get a vaccine. One would think you could just call your oncologist and ask for a vaccine, but no, you can't. Pennsylvania is such a mess. I actually was able to get it because I joined, um, I qualify in 1A. I'm not skipping the line. I qualify in 1A. Um, and I like was in a, I joined a Facebook group in which people dedicate their time to helping people get vaccine appointments. Like the mania to which this happens, like to get one at CVS or at Rite Aid, you have to book them at 1159 at night. CVS books theirs at 6am. Like good luck getting a Wegmans appointment. Like it's just so poorly handled in this Facebook group, while it's incredible what these people are doing, just shows, like, it's enraging, actually, to look through it because it's just such a government failure. And if we had had a fucking actually working government in the fall, as soon as the trials started coming back, they would have started dumping money into setting up the federal distribution of the vaccine, which would have involved setting up a point like uh clinics and tons of clinics and a whole supply chain in a way that people could uh fucking file for file register for the vaccine i saw some fucking study that was like uh adults over the age of 65 prefer to call as opposed to making a internet appointment like no shit no shit is that true that's true you mean to tell me that um 
old people have trouble with getting vaccines because you can only make internet appointments. Oh, and old people are the ones that are most susceptible to this and dying from this. It's just, it's so infuriating. It's so infuriating. The vaccine has really made me realize I ended up, the way that I got it is I had joined this group. Once I realized I was, somebody was like, you should look into it because I think your BMI qualifies you. And it did. <laughs> Woohoo. Glad to be fat. Um, I'm like, in some states, I think it's anything I like, I was, I told my friend in Virginia, I was like, oh, you should have somebody, you know, look into it. And, but I guess in Virginia, it's like over 40 BMI, you don't qualify. But in Pennsylvania, you're over 30, which I'm like, just I'm over 30. So I was able to qualify for it. And so I looked on this Facebook group and I happened to see somebody post like, at the exact right second for appointments um, that were like 45 minutes from my house and I was able to get one. So I went in and got that on the 12th, I think, and I go for my next one on the 31st. I got the Pfizer. Thankfully, I had no um, no side effects. My arm barely even hurt. So <laughs> here's hoping for the second one. I still am really convinced that I had COVID over the summer and that's why like some things that I've read indicate that maybe people who have the antibodies aren't reacting as much to the vaccines. So maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. Um, But I'm hoping that I don't have a reaction to the second one. We'll see if I do. I do. I'm just glad that I can get it. Um, I at first was like, even though I knew that I qualified with my BMI, I was like, I'm not going to get it. I Old people need to get it. And then I just saw what a shit show the distribution was and that like, it truly is if you qualify, you should be getting it, you know? So I got it. I think that if, I don't think people should be cutting the line, which I'm positive people are doing because where I went, it was just like, all you had to do was like answer yes or no to these questions. And if you answered yes or no, like, and you said yes to the right ones, you got the appointment. There was no follow-up once I got to the place that gave the shots. It was at a hospital. It wasn't like, um, they weren't like, okay, we'll get on the scale so you can prove your weight. There are definitely people there that, <laughs> look, I don't judge anybody else, like, illness-wise. I understand that everybody has stuff that we cannot see. But, like, there were, like, there was a family that was, like, a father-son or a mother, like, a husband-wife and an adult child. And I was like, I don't know if they're all in 1A. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not so sure. But they don't have time to check it at my vac, like at the vaccine places because the appointments are so tight. And I guess they figure like, if you have the appointment, you should just get it. But there are definitely people cutting the line. But I've reached also a point in the pandemic where I'm like, this is the government's fault. You know, like this is the government's fault that everybody feels like it's every man for himself and that nobody trusts the fact that they're going to be able to get the vaccine. So they're cutting lines to do it. Um, I think that if there had been a distribution plan and an actual, like, efficient rollout, people wouldn't feel so desperate like they had to get it. But, like, the reality is, is in Pennsylvania, we're still on 1A. I mean, Philadelphia, because the city of Philadelphia does its own vaccine distribution. Like, that's how stupid this is. The rest of the state is in charge of the rest of the state, and Philadelphia does their own. Um, Philadelphia is on 1A and 1B. Like, 1A is people with, like, Obesity, smoking, like chronic uh, lung issues if you work at um, like a hospital, like frontline workers. Like 1A is beginning, beginning, beginning. And Pennsylvania is like not any closer to around the corner on 1B. So I don't know. I understand why people feel like they don't 
trust that they're going to be able to get the vaccine. But I hope that everybody that is qualified for it, like if you're be if you live in the state of Pennsylvania and your BMI is over 30, which is a lot of people, like you qualify and you should get it because the reality is if you get COVID, you have a higher chance of being hospitalized. And the point of COVID vaccine and the way that they're doling it out is that the people who are at the highest risk to be hospitalized or die get it, which is why I'm like so sick of people being like, if I was a smoker, I could have already gotten it. Or if I was just fat, I would have been able to get it. And it's like, yeah, because smokers and fat people have to go to the hospital when they get COVID. (laughs) And we like don't want the hospitals jammed up anymore. That's a big issue. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so stupid. So whatever. I definitely like for a little bit was like, I I qualify, but I don't think I should get it. And then I was like reading some stuff and I was like, well, I qualify for it. There's a reason that people with BMI over 30 are in this and that it's not just people over 40, BMI over 40 in my state. It's because there's a concern with people with BMI over 30 getting COVID and having to go to the hospital. So I'm going to get it. So yeah, if you have a BMI over 30, you should check your state and see if that qualifies. Like I said, in, in other states, I know that it's 40 is in the first batch and you might not qualify for that. But you know, I hope that you get the vaccine if you can. I'm glad to see so many people I know are getting the vaccine. And I'm really excited to be fully vaccinated. Okay, where am I? (laughs) Politics. People love when I talk about politics on this podcast. (laughs) Okay, so they go over to Kim's house, or they find out that, we find out, not they find out, that they're whole family are Republicans. But at the same time, I'm like, well, does it really matter? Because none of them vote. (laughs) Although Kim decided that this was the first uh, election she was going to vote in, too. Like, it does matter, of course, because your bigoted views matter. Like, if I'm not saying, like, it doesn't matter, but it's also, like, I don't know, do people fight about politics if none of them vote? Maybe. Maybe, but I'm sure that they've been able to just not talk about it because I don't think any of them deeply care about it. Because if you deeply cared about it, you would vote. So they go over to Kim's house and Kim is saying, you know, it's her first time voting. And she says, she does say, you know, in the past, I felt like, what's my vote going to do? And I realized like it actually means a lot, which is true and good, especially if you live in Michigan or if you live in Pennsylvania. You know, there's, what, 20 counties in this country that determine who the president is. I'm fortunate to live in one of those 20 counties, so my vote really fucking counts. <laughs> in fact, well, no, I was going to say I've actually only lived in places like that, but that's not true because I lived in, um, like, Baltimore County for two years, and that wasn't really a, that wasn't really a hot spot of swinging. You know what I mean? Maryland doesn't really swing that much, but Pennsylvania does, and Florida does. Palm Beach County in Chester County, Pennsylvania. (laughs) I live in two of the biggest, most important, not biggest, but two of the most important counties in every single election is where I've lived for most of my life. (laughs) So she says that she's voting for the president because, you know, she just likes what he stands for as far as the military. And she says everything's going good. So why not put him in for four more years? And, you know, everybody's talking about communism and socialism. Oh, God. I mean, look, Kim's a fucking idiot. What's there to say, right? Like, Kim's a fucking idiot. I'm not, what, I'm going to sit here and, like, go on a rant that Kim thinks the president is doing good? No, because Kim's stupid. And, like, we know the president wasn't doing well. We know that. We know that. 
I feel like, I feel like this, the only way Republican, like, sent, I understood the argument, I guess, of the economy. I could, I could, I could hear that. I don't agree with it, but I could hear that. But when, you know, 400,000 Americans have died and you say, I think the president's doing a really good job. What? <laughs> say what? <laughs> also, like, Kim really cares about the military. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to figure out what I think the sister wives voted for. And I uh, landed on the fact that I'm very sure Janelle Brown is like a hardcore Republican. I think I'm I feel confident in Janelle being a, a Republican. I'll talk about I'll talk about that more on the Patreon this week as I go into all of their COVID views. So Tyler says that he doesn't want to see all that stuff. What? I don't. I, I wrote that down with no other context. I'm sorry. I have no idea what that means. Oh, okay. So I actually know by the next one. So Tyler basically is like, I'm sick of seeing Trump do everything. I don't want to see it anymore. They say they want a president who has morals and values that they agree with, which I totally understand. Do I agree with all of Joe Biden's morals and values? No, I absolutely do not. But I, I definitely think that we are in a better place because he's president. I mean, there's still a lot of fucked up shit going on in this world. So in the next scene, Kate's going over to see Kim and she's wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt. And Kim's husband is like, you're really wearing that shirt here. And Kate, look, I think Kate's doing her best. <laughs> Kate says, yeah, because I believe in the Black Lives Matter movement. And he doesn't he doesn't fight back, which like, I guess. Look, it's a pretty antagonistic shirt to wear to your Trumpian relative. So I like, I guess I respect that. Do I respect that then she like got on the golf cart that had a 50 foot Trump flag on it? No, no, I don't. Do I understand her spending a lot of time with people like that? No, not quite. But I did. I was like, okay, Kate, I see you. <laughs> Get that fight on camera. <laughs> Make Kim look stupid on camera. And then they go and vote. It's election day. Um, They, Tyler does say, <laughs> Tyler does say, well, thankfully, we don't have to talk about politics anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, thank God we don't have to talk about politics anymore, Tyler. I'm so glad. Who could I mean, I could have guessed. So I was going to say, I was like, who could have guessed what would happen after election day? Like me, literally, all of us, we <laughs> knew that this was going to happen. I mean, maybe I didn't think that January 6th, the, in, the insertion was going to happen. Maybe I like didn't think that far. But like, I knew that it would be really bad. I knew that it would be really bad if no matter what, no matter what the results were, I knew that the lead up to then the inauguration was going to be as nutty as it was. God, I hope we, God, that was so awful. It <laughs> was so awful. Um, They specifically say we voted for Biden and Harris and they take note of Nova to vote. I don't know. I thought it was nice. Look, Caitlin and Tyler are simpletons, right? Like, they are simpletons. I do not expect them to get up here and talk about politics. I believe Tyler when he says, now we don't have to talk about politics anymore. But am I glad that they talked about it on camera? Yeah, they're the only ones on Teen Mom talking about it on camera. And that's not true. Cheyenne. I don't, I want to make this clear. They haven't showed Cheyenne, like, doing much, but I know Cheyenne does. She's always in a Black Lives Matter shirt. She's always posting stuff on social media. Cheyenne cares a lot. I don't want to discredit Cheyenne. Um, but as far as, like, the rest of the cast members, no. 
You know what I was surprised about? Farrah got the vaccine. Um, she was able to fly to Texas and get it. I'm I'm guessing Farrah cut in line. <laughs> I'm not really sure how Farrah qualifies, but I mean, once again, what do I know? I don't know. Farrah doesn't even live in Texas, so I don't really know why she was getting a Texas, Texas vaccine. She's absolutely not a resident of Texas. Um, I saw some people surprised that she got it which I was a little too, but then I realized she's probably going to need it to travel, especially to Dubai. I think that's why she got it, because she needs to work, you know, like Farrah's work takes her overseas. And so she'll need a vaccine to go to a lot of those places. So I think that's probably the main reason that she got it, but it's good she got it. I was glad to see that she got it. I've actually been pretty glad to see a lot of Republicans uh, seem to be getting it. And I feel like people that were really adamant about not getting it have turned a corner. There's been a big corner turn on that. So great. Really happy with that. Okay, let's bring it on home with Ryan and his gray hair. Now, was Ryan in a wig? What the fuck? What? What happened? How? I... Am I the, like, I don't understand. Like, how did, he did not look like that in the last episode. Suddenly, Ryan has six inch pure white hair. Like, what? Where did that come from? I genuinely think he may have been in a wig. Like, it's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so in this episode, we find out that Larry had talked to the Ashley. <laughs> Was glad to see that Ashley get some love on Teen Mom, love when that happens, and gave him, gave her that interview that we know that he did, where he said that they haven't seen Bentley in a month and they don't have access to him. Macy finds this out via Keely calling her and is like, you see that article yet that Larry did? Um, I never, of course, Macy did not find out. Like, of course, they didn't just like happen to sit down and film the conversation that Macy like happens to find out about this article. I still don't really know why they're making friends do this. I don't get why they don't just have the producer go up to her because obviously MTV production has Google alerts on and sees everything. And I don't really understand why they're not like, hey, did you see what Ryan's dad told the Ashley. Like, I don't really get why they can't include that on camera. I think part of it is they're still very aware of, I don't want to say this, they don't want to look too much like instigators. So I think it makes people uncomfortable. Like, anytime, remember Janelle's producer, Kristen, like people fucking hated her because they're like, she's a two side, two faced bitch. And it's like, that's like literally her job is to be two-faced. Like that is her job description. Like get both of these people to talk shit about the other one and make them think that you're on their side. And so I think that they are pretty careful with what they have production get involved with. And they would rather have Keely like call and tell Macy as opposed to like them breaking it to Macy on camera. And then we have to be like, well, why are they instigating it? But basically Larry just said that he wasn't able, they weren't able to see Bentley. And Macy's like, what are they even talking about? Like, they just saw him at Jagger's birthday party. I would have liked timestamps for this. So Larry and Jen are talking and Jen is mad about it. Jen's like, I don't really understand why you would do that. And Larry's like, well, they call me all the time. I'm like, why do they have your phone number? (laughs) Maybe you should change your number. (laughs) 
Why does the Ashley have your personal cell phone number, Larry? Jen's like, they call me too, but I don't talk to them. I'm like, I think, I think you guys need to change your phone numbers. <laughs> oh gosh. Larry says he doesn't like to be mean and that's why he talks to them. And it's like, just admit that you want to start shit. Come on, just admit it. So we get a scene of Mackenzie and Ryan talking about it. And as I said, Ryan is in a wig and Mackenzie is like, well, Larry was telling the truth. And they say that they would only be mad if this has some sort of effect on Ryan seeing Bentley because they didn't actually do anything, which is not an untrue point. It wasn't their fault, but Ryan isn't seeing Bentley anyway, so I don't really understand what he's talking about. The real issue is Bentley not seeing Jen and Larry very often. Like, Bentley has made it clear that he's not seeing Ryan, but, like, he still is seeing Ben and Ben and Larry. Jen and Larry, as far as I know. So, Ryan says that that's the world we live in. She does it all the time. Like, Mac- Mac- like Macy's always, like, withholding stuff from Ryan. It's just so crazy. And Mac is like, you know what? I'm just over it. I'm over it. She says, you got to be a real petty bitch if you want to retaliate. <sighs> Mackenzie, I don't get why she's so stupid. Like, how can you think that you are going to win this fight? Really? Like, you legitimately think you're going to be the one that wins this fight? And you think it looks good for you to get on television and call Macy a petty bitch? Because it's not going to make you look good. You're never going to win it. And Macy actually decided to respond, which... I get it. I get why Macy wants to respond. Um, I I really do. Um, I don't think she's wrong to respond necessarily because she didn't do anything wrong and Mac and Ryan are just talking shit on her needlessly and it's pretty fucked up. But I also think that Macy wins by virtue of being Macy every single time. Mackenzie and Ryan are always going to be the bad guys. And so I think when she addresses it, um, she risks a real problem of making herself look bad and, like, getting in the dirt with them. Um, Like, if if Macy doesn't participate in their bullshit, like, there's no chance that she can look bad. And, like, there's always a chance that you're going to go one t- step too far by accident when you're doing this. And I think that it serves Macy better just not to say anything. So, someone said, does Mackenzie have any better comebacks on calling Macy a petty bitch or not? Asking for a friend. Which, I mean, that's stupid, but comebacks. Like, M- Mackenzie thinks Macy's a petty bitch. It's a fine, it's a fine insult. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really understand that comment. But uh, Macy quote tweeted it with, that would take a sense of humor, more education, and actual facts to speak about. So no, she doesn't. Somebody else said, Ryan's wife needs to shut the fuck up. If she's calling her a petty bitch to the cameras, then no telling what they're saying when they're not there. That's true. No wonder Bentley doesn't want to be around them. And then somebody responded, I bet she won't tell her that to her face. And Macy said, nope, she won't. Um, which is definitely true. She RT'd some other stuff about just, like, Mackenzie being awful. Um, Macy said, I'll never wrestle with pigs. You both get dirty, but the pig likes it. Truth hurts. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't actually benefit her to fight with them. You know what I mean? Like, she will, like, you don't need to fight with them because they're in the wrong and everybody sees they're in the wrong and nobody is on their side. Okay, let's see if she's liked any stuff either. Um, I'm sure she 
basically it's just like, you know, fuck them. I'm glad you take the high road. As the daughter of an addict who I have no contact with, you are the mother I wish I had. You respect Bentley's wishes. Encourage him. Definitely. I think that's definitely nice. She just liked a lot of stuff about Taylor being a good stepdad and... She liked this one. Okay, Mac is really starting to work my nerves with this petty bitch stuff. MTV, please get this ignorant, enabling, pointed nose trick off our TV. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think Macy should be liking tweets bashing Mackenzie's looks. I just think it's like, it just doesn't look like, you don't need, you don't need to do that. So the episode ends with Macy and Taylor talking about it. And Taylor's been on point this season. He's been real on point And he's pissed. He's, he's not happy. He's like, these are not our boundaries. They are Bentley's boundaries. They're idiots. He's like, I don't understand why they're doing this. Bentley has laid out clearly what he wants and they're not doing it. And he's like, I don't get why anybody cares if Ryan's feelings are hurt, which I agree with. Um, Macy does say, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what Jen and Larry do because... Bentley's relationship with them is more important than my feelings towards them. And they can do whatever, and I'm not going to change the way that Bentley is with them, which I thought was nice. Okay, so, you know, I think that's it for this week. Like I said, if you want to hear me talk about Sister Wives, come to my Patreon. If you don't, I'll talk to you here next week. Enjoy. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.